Stephen Gross is a licensed social worker, hypnotherapist, and practitioner of Zen meditation. You'll be fascinated to discover how he puts it all together on today's edition of Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. All right, so Stephen Gross, welcome. I'm pronouncing it correctly, right? Yeah. And just for you... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are a clinical... Hypnotherapist, you are a master's yes. licensed social worker. You are a NLP not, practitioner, right? Not not NLP, but uh, I am part of the uh, International Association for Generative Change. That's Stephen Gilgans and Robert Dilt's group uh, okay. as a practitioner of, of that of generative trance. Ah, excellent, excellent. So yeah, I met you at. That's where I met you. Is at uh, Stephen Gilligan um, yeah. supervision in New York City with at the NLP Center. So I assumed perhaps that uh, you'd taken some NLP courses there. Have you done any NLP? No, you know, not no, not in a formal way. But okay. I think I think kind of being part of like sort of the Ericksonian circles and whatnot, yeah. you can't help but just kind of be in constant sort of contact with that mode. So maybe the osmotically, yes, <laughs> but not but not in a more yeah. time. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, as an NLP, I, I, I would learned NLP before I learned Ericksonian hypnosis. And I was drawn to Ericksonian hypnosis because so many really good NLP people could, you know, even do Ericksonian hypnosis. So I thought, well, what's that? And um, the more I discovered uh, about the, the connections between them, the more I realized that NLP borrowed, if you will, stole perhaps <laughs> an awful, heard. awful lot of its stuff from... Ericksonian hypnosis. So, uh, yeah, it's probably, if it's not osmotic, it's certainly related. Absolutely. So tell me what you do. Tell me what um, your your day is like when you see clients and work with people. Um, from your description, it sounds like you've incorporated a lot of the uh, Ericksonian kind of thing into what you what you do with therapy. Yeah. A lot of therapy, in my mind, is like people come in, they got problems, say, oh, tell me more about that. But you, your bio says that you believe that obstacles and challenges can be used to access your unique and powerful inner resources. And that's, that's like Erickson could have said that. So yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell me how and you, I, and I feel you that. So I, I think, you know, a lot of folks, as he said, to come in and I, I the problem is a part of me that's broken. I need to be fixed. Yeah. And I'm more of the mind that, well, those, those, those are opportunities. You know, I would often say, God, I remember saying this a long time ago, when I first got involved in same mental health 20 something years ago that, you know, you know, you're, you're having a sane reaction to insane circumstances. There's a reason why you're feeling what you're feeling. It didn't come from nowhere. Mm-hmm. And in that way, kind of returning to that space of that, whatever experience it was, we can kind of sort of redirect the narrative. Because there's a feeling of there's something wrong with me. Something happened to me and I'm, I'm hurt. I'm wounded. I'm broken, if you will. Um, it's not true. It's not true. And I think that's where we kind of get caught up. We sort of repeat that sort of script over and over 
and over to the point where we identify with it. Yeah. I think that's who we are. It's not who we are. It's something that happened. It's something that we witnessed. It's something that we experienced. That's not the totality of me. And I think in this way, we can use forms of, say, disassociation that we might experience in trance through hypnosis to kind of back up a little bit, to kind of just observe and see and begin to feel perhaps less intensely what's going on. What was all that about? And there we have the opportunity to kind of make change. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what's so powerful with this is that we just need that shift to take away from I, I'm the problem to no, I've experienced challenges and sometimes deeply, deeply significant challenges. It's still workable. It's all workable. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of my orientation to that. Um, and, and I think as my role, say, as therapist or coach, it's to stay present with that stay present with the individual connected to what it is that their experience is and to just witness them, you know, and be present with them as they go through that again, as it begins to open up those wounds, those feelings and, you know, ever so much because we rush right in. What do we do? We wind up uh, re-traumatizing someone. Mm -hmm. yeah. What's the benefit of that? So that's very interesting to me. And, and it's, um, you know, I, my background, I, I started off life as a musician, but I, I went to a therapist a lot because I needed therapy. And so part of the reason, you know, I had some tr troubles. And um, uh, so I've, I've been in therapy a long time. Um, was in therapy before I learned about NLP. And then uh, I was glad to have learned it because it felt like it accelerated the process, you know, gave me some things to really do about it. Um and then when I discovered coaching, it was a, a slightly different thing. When I first learned coaching, they were, they were emphasizing that coaching is not therapy, that coaching is, uh, is different from therapy. It's also not consulting. It's different from consulting. It's a different thing unto itself. Um, and then I saw a lot of people who were, from my background, you know, doing NLP therapies or hypnosis, hypnotherapy, um, started just continue doing exactly what they did, but they called it coaching and i'm just yeah. curious about you know what is your take on that from you you're more of a i would say a, a, a therapist you are yeah yeah i mean i, I have the title I'll, I'll use it but yeah. that's not all right and I, and i and i actually i agree with you wholeheartedly i um my background is is much more in zen buddhism that was my sort of origination point of coming yeah. to a sense of what am i doing here you know, that was my therapy. And and I started that when I was probably, you know, 19 years old or, or so. And, uh, oh, cool. Interesting. and I, I remember uh, going to a first sort of group sitting with, with a Sangha at a Zen center and the fellow who's the subsequently became my teacher. He's there. He's an ordained Rinzai Buddhist monk, old head, whole deal. And, and there's another monk there who's kind of flittering about in drawers, kind of frustrated about something. And this guy goes up to him, and his name is Richard Hart, this tremendous, tremendous person. And he goes over to this monk and very gently, without the guy really noticing, creeped up on him, bows to him slowly, and then headbutts him. <laughs> <laughs> and it just knocked the other guy out of his, and he's like, ow. And I, and I thought, this is for me. <laughs> this I like. You know, we can, we can get involved in this. And, and I thought, that's it. That's it. It's not this sort of, let's sit on the couch and we're going to talk about it. It's experiential. 
Uh And and he got in that other fellow's space right away. I thought, I can get into this and I can feel this. And I, and and not that I want to be headbutted. That wasn't the point. Right. It was that moment of pay attention. Yeah. It's not headbutt therapy after that. It's not at all. No, right. And I think that's one of the traps that we get into is I got this kind of therapy and that kind of therapy. What is therapy? What isn't therapy? Hmm. And I get, we all have our sort of, you know, respective territory and limits and credentials and I get it. But I want the fellow with experience. I want that person as my guide, Hmm. as my therapist, as my coach, as my mentor. That's who I want to do business with. (laughs) And, and, and you know, when they arrive, because suddenly it's, Oh, what's, what's going on here? And you have that moment of, Oh, so that's my sort of take on it. And that's been, that's been my experience. And it's funny, the fellow that I mentioned, Richard Hart, years and years ago, he, uh, he also studied hypnosis. I remember him mentioned that to me at one point. And he studied with a man named Harry Ahrens, I believe was his name. Mm. He apparently is a big in the New York City area kind of I remember Harry voting hypnosis. Yeah. And uh, Rick would say, you know, back then the medical community was hypnosis doesn't do anything. And then it became and they were invited down and they observed what was going on. I said, oh, and they said, OK, hypnosis works, but only a medical professional should do it. <laughs> You know, and, and that was, and that was that, you know, it's, 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 it's me. All these things are sort of interrelated and, and, and we can call upon these resources. These were my resources. And, and then we can kind of get involved with someone else that's seeking support, seeking a path, seeking sort of connection. So tell me, this is really interesting. Tell, tell me what you believe the similarity or differences are between meditation and hypnosis. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a question I've been asking myself and others for a long, long time. I still don't have a particularly good answer, and I suppose that's because there isn't one. <laughs> um, at least that I found. Yeah, yes, I'm sure someone can really articulate it, and, and I'm like, oh, okay, I can get behind that. Um, but you know, even with meditation, right? You you have just sort of um, you know Rinzai Zen, where you're doing a lot of work with cones. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I Work with cones. What's the sound of one hand clapping? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> and then you sit there and you work with that, and you work with that, and you work with that. And, and it's, it's designed to essentially burn out your sort of logical conscious sort of self. You know, you can't figure it out. Right. There is no answer per se. Show me your answer. Manifest your answer. And in terms of, say, hypnosis, I think that what we're doing there is it's sort of like, you know, of the cone of, you know, two people in a room, it's collaborative, it's communicative, and and we're working on it, meditating on it, and developing that sort of, I think as uh, Jeff Zeig would say, that felt sense. My teacher, my Zen teacher referred to it as see, feel. There's something going on there. And I think this is what we're connecting to. So, you know, more to the answer, we're engaged in trance. We're engaged in connecting to those other parts of ourselves that are just full of infinite, limitless resources. They just get a little spoonful and then see where that goes. And I think that's what we're doing. We're connecting to ourselves, to others, and really plumbing those depths. Right. Um, hypnosis, I see it as it's, it's, it's more of the interaction between me and the hypnotherapist, the coach. Meditation. Just sit. 
Just sit. And we realize that all these things start percolating, popping up. And and just just pay attention. Just be present with that. So another one is yes, someone's there with you, I suppose, in a in a hypnotic state, though we could do self hypnotic treatments as well, right? Right. Um and again, I guess I'm just kind of playing around with these two ideas. You know, it, it's well let me just let me just uh, yeah. see if I can provoke some ideas um or, or sure. stuff. because um if I recall correctly, Milton yeah. Erickson has um I remember watching a video where he was saying that uh, I think it was with Mondi and Nick. He said, there's a lot of talk about meditation these days. And what I really think that is, is people should spend some time and do a little thinking. I'm pretty sure that's a pretty close quote to what he was saying at that point. But I also um, took a course once with a man named Stephen Walensky, who mm. was a, a student of Erickson's, written several really interesting books like Trances People Live and uh, yeah. Quantum Psychology, I think, is one of his books. Um, he he studied with Erickson, but he also went to India and lived in an ashram for a while. And he came back and he said that, um, again, if I remember correctly, his quote was that um, the, the state that they refer to in, in the ashram in India of samadhi is for all intents and purposes, the same state that Milton Erickson referred to as a therapeutic trance. Yes. They're the same you know, mental, emotional, psychological state of being. Yeah. Um, I think maybe just used for different purposes. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's sort of, well, I think it is that, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're creating in these states. And, and what is it that we're creating? I don't know. It depends. That depends to the individual, you know. As you said, Milton Erickson manifested a world of suggestions and and hypnotic sort of techniques and experiences. Someone, uh, you know, a guru in India, spiritual experiences. You know, a Zen Buddhist sense of emptiness or empty full, a sense of. Ask the Catholic priest, where do they get involved with? I mean, someone who's kind of maybe willing to kind of go a little further into that sort of Christ consciousness. Mm. What's that about? Mm. You know, I think once we start applying the labels, we get a little lost. Okay. And, and, and that can cause some issues. Um, so you've, you've been doing this Stephen Gilligan work, the uh, generative hypnosis and generative coaching with him and, and uh, Dilts. Yeah. Um, when, when we've, we're in that class together with, with Stephen, the supervisor. Um, I remember talking about, you know, we started a session um, by going into the coach state. Yes. Stephen has talked about that in an interview we did a little while back. Um, do you do that in your therapy? Your regular Is that a regular feature of the way you work with people when you're doing your, you know, daily work job? Where yeah. you, you know, I, I think it absolutely is there. Um, you know, it's funny as you say it, I think I, centering, yes, right, we're centering ourselves, we're opening up the field of awareness, we're attending to ourselves. Right? Do you do that just with yourself before your client walks in, or do you do that as part of the session with your client? Both. 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 And I find, and I find that folks would be coming for a psychotherapy, and I will engage in that way, because that really opens up that field. I find that the session goes further with, with more sort of 
sense of, of really just being present. You know, it, I find that if I don't do that, we'll do it this way. If I don't do that, so we'll just start talking, typical sort of psychotherapy. It's usually in the last five or so minutes that someone starts to open up and kind of getting to that mm. place of this is where we need to get to. This is, we have all that preliminary stuff, all the talk, all the things that I want to show you. And then we get past that. And then we're left with, you know, what's really going on. And I find that when we kind of engage in those sort of, you know, the centering, the opening, the connecting, cut to the chase. And mm. we can hold open that space for the session. And, and that to me has value. And I hope it has value for the, for the clients whom I work with. Because in the end, this is, this is what we're doing. This is it. In fact, I'd say that's a natural state that we've gotten away from through a whole series of experiences. We think that we've identified a problem, we're going to fix the problem, but we're using the wrong mind to do it. So let's settle back into ourselves, into our body. Open up. Now what's there? You know, who's doing the talking? You or the person who you want me to see, who you think should be, you know, your, your sort of, the persona that you give out there, the show persona. Mm. I'm not mm. interested in him. Mm. Go a little further. And, and it's a good way to get there is by what we're talking about, coach state, getting into that space. You know, it's, um, it's disarming. It's, it's concerning because I don't want to go there. I've been there before. I've gotten hurt. And that's where the person that you're working with, the therapist, the, the actual coach is so important because it's okay. I'm not, I mean, no harm. I'm here to be present with you. And that is so, so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we've had, we've had enough experiences in lives where it's not, it's not safe to do that. Hmm. That's really interesting. So that's, I can just imagine how, how wonderful that would be to, to walk into a therapist's office and you just sort of start with a, you know, a couple of minutes of centering and breathing together and creating that, you know, haven of safety for, um, opening up and exposing that, you know, the soft underbelly of their vulnerability. Um, yeah. and, and as you say, speaking from there rather than speaking from that you know, persona part of their personality that they, they present to the world all the time. That's really great. That's really great. So would you say, being that this is an interview about essential coaching skills, that that is yeah. an essential coaching skill? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. I, I, yes, I feel that it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's one of the things that I think I've become more and more aware of is I can't put something out there for someone unless I'm willing to go do that myself. Cause I'm setting someone up for what? Right. Go and walk that tightrope. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> I'll see you on the other side. Maybe. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll be there. I'll just go. <laughs> And, 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 and anytime I, I recognize sometimes if I put something out there, I think, oh no, what did I just sign myself up for? Because I know that I have to go there. It's a sense of, uh-huh. and, and so I have to be present with them. I have no choice but to do that. And, and I, that is an essential skill because when it's a coach, we're drawing upon our experiences. I'm not a coach because I think I, I, I know so much and thus you should listen to me. Don't take my word for it. Find out for yourself. Mm. Mm. So, so yeah, I, I have to be there. I mean, it's, 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 that's the deal. We already are, we already are connected. Right. To disavow that, to ignore it, it's a non-starter. 
not me directing you from afar. Maybe they're with you. That's very cool. You know, it seems like a lot of people who are starting off in the coaching um, world, start coaching business, if you will, um, I think they sometimes get the idea that coaching is about goal setting and, mm-hmm. and almost coming from that persona perspective of like, um, what do I want? What do I want in the world? And, you know, so we, we set this agenda for uh, by, you know, 60 days from now, I'll have achieved this. And then you have weekly check-ins to hold them accountable. And um, yeah. there's that, that kind of thing. Um, it sounds like what you are doing with coaching is very, very different from that. Um, that it's more of a, well, almost like a therapy, but almost like a, a deep um, discovery of what's what's happening inside at a you know organic level and you know letting it nurturing it and letting it grow and letting that seed blossom and discover who they are rather than you know decide who they're going to be and make it so um, they just sort of organically let it mature and happen that way is that yeah 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 I, that, that that feels right on and i think that is because of my sort of earlier experiences in zen that's my orientation uh-huh. and, and and so that that is something that you know that really just sort of just just continually manifests yeah um once that door has been opened it doesn't really close so well yeah. And and I and I think the idea of goal setting and, and setting agendas and checking in and it's all that right, it's valuable. Of course it is. Yeah. But at a certain point, we feel what's next? What's next? And this goes back to the, what we were talking about earlier, this idea of I need to be fixed. This is this is what dualistic thinking, broken, fixed. Right, right. Perfect, right. imperfect. I'm not interested. Who are you? What do you want to get involved with? And certainly there is plenty of room to identify your goals and work on them. That's right. just, that's just, it's just, that's just good fun along the way. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go with this? You know, it's, it's, uh, and, and the thing is we keep on, you know, we're so, we so want that answer. We don't get it. Yeah. And that becomes itch that we can't scratch. It's like a phantom one. Um, you know, and I think that as I was talking about before, the idea of, you know, working with a cone, this sort of thing, it's meant to burn out that part of you that wants an answer. You're not going to get it. <laughs> so now what? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that, you know, in your experiences and mine, I know plenty of people highly successful. Top of the game. Yeah. Deeply unhappy. Yeah. Oh, man. I'll I tell you something. One of the richest persons I ever worked with, a guy who made like a million dollars a month, um, I mean, easily. And he was probably the most miserable person I ever met in my life. I mean, it was, it was almost painful to be in the room with them. He was just, everything was horrible in his life from his perspective. And including he didn't make enough money, didn't make nearly enough money because he had, you know, friends who made more than he did, you know, so he was miserable. Yeah. 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 And there's the idea of like, I'm going to find a way to, it's, it's the best them or best as part of myself that I'm competing against. My friend, there's, there's another way here <laughs> that might not be what it's all about. And, and that's the part that I, that I think is sort of so exquisite where that 
whatever that challenge is, whatever the goal is, I mean, it offers sort of just opportunities for kind of just getting in touch with that feeling of, I didn't know it was going to be this way. Mm. And usually that's what happens, right? When we arrive at an area of insight or understanding, it's there for a moment and I'm like, oh, and then all of a sudden, off it goes. <laughs> I have to go get lunch now. Yeah. Let me ask you another question. Um, you know, I, I'm aware that when many people listen to this this podcast, that there we've we've all kinds of yeah. uh, of levels of people listening to this, and some people are might be just starting out in the coaching world. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know that you have had like years of experience and, and you, you're, you know, licensed master social worker. You, you were a graduate of Fordham University's School of Social Science. You, yeah, you're pursuing yeah. an MBA. Still, you're yeah, in college right, now. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, another class two to go and we'll, we'll pluck that one away and we'll go on to something else. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> oh, no. You've worked in environmental sciences. You've worked in business. Yeah. <laughs> This is all true. Yeah. And I'm just curious about, like, what do you think you need? And what what does a person need to, you know, start being a successful coach? You know, I think we're all at a a period of time in our lives awaiting for some blessing, some acknowledgement, some recognition. comes from yourself. And... And this is just it, you know, it's like who, I'll use the Buddha, you know, who ordained the Buddha? Hmm. Yeah, right. Who certified Milton Erickson as an Ericksonian hypnotherapist? Right. right. And, and, and I think that's, that's that step we take where it's, I don't know where my foot lands. We're in uncharted territory. Hmm. Nothing here was in the textbook that I read and studied. Now what? And I think that's that moment of, you know, it's, it's, it's the breakthrough or breakdown. And, and then it's just being okay with yourself. You know, one of the most difficult cones out there is show me just as you are, you're okay. And people often go, ah, because the first thing that comes up is all the ways in which they are not okay. They're mm-hmm. deficient. They got this problem. I got that. I got high blood pressure. I overeat sometimes and bum, 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 bum. So at what point do we arrive to say that I am ready to be a coach, to be this, to be that? You just know, I think. You just get to a point where you make that connection and it feels right. Mm. Kind of like, you know, if you're, you know, we're, 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 we're both New Yorkers and, and you go, say, upstate and you see a landscape, it's just right. You know, we're, we're in this sort of place of being centered with ourselves and that's okay. And, you know, and it sounds... Maybe a little funny, but I mean, that's, what's the value of that? There you are, you have a client, million dollars a month, access to God knows what. It is not an ounce of joy. In fact, it's painful to be in the presence. Yeah, it was very you, good. You can pay me enough to, to take that on and like, to be like, you'll get the money, but you got to be in this state. I'll take a pass. And I think that's sort of the point where we can really start to connect with people and really just, just express our interest and curiosity in them and really appreciating who they are. I mean, this is, this is something that's available to each one of us. We all have, we're all human. Thus, we all have an opportunity to be present, to be joyful, 
to just, 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 just be there and sit back in that sort of experience. So I understand what you're saying in more particular way of being a coach. I think those are things that kind of, you know, can be imbued in that sort of connection with other people. But I think it's a really important thing. Otherwise we get caught and trapped in our mind. How do I do this? Well, be present. Pay attention to the person you're working with. Offer your, your expertise, your experience, share it with them and you'll learn from them too. It's a wonderful arrangement. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a really good jumping off point. Um, we just, we don't believe it's real. It is. That's, that's beautiful. So let me ask you this question. Um, the MBA that you're pursuing, uh, is that just for fun? Are you just uh, curious? Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it was, I, 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 you know, to answer the question, what do I want to be when I grow up? I don't know. And I, I would take the class here and there back when I worked in business thinking, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do and whatnot. But what I found there was I love the exchange of ideas in those classes. The, the MBA people, you know, having studied psychology and social work, environmental sciences and anything else I can kind of do in my own time. It's like the, the you know, business. I always had to say I understand in business that it was something very rigid and stiff and it, all it's all about the money. It's about ideas. It's about relationships. And I think that's what is just so great. And, and just, you know, the entrepreneurs and their, 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 their drive for innovation and making something new. There's an energy there that's just really great that you're not going to find in, say, a social work class, at least not in my experience, mm-hmm. because it's almost, you know, the social workers are, you know, we're, we're, we're here to help people. We're feelers. We're full of compassion. We want to make a change. And their view of someone in business might be like, they're there. They're the opposition. Not so much. Mm. Not so much. All human. They 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 want to just connect in a different sort of way, and um, you know you just you meet people from so many different backgrounds and cultures, but but have a desire to be productive, make something new. You know, there's a, there's just a different energy, and I think that's one that's really great to be around. You know, it's uh, I don't know. I, I I I that's that's my interpretation of it. That's cool. So I, it leads me to the second question that I. I ask everyone who I interview is not only what what essential coaching skills do you need to be a good successful coach but what other skills does a person need to be successful as in the business of coaching to you know make a living as a coach I've, I've seen people who have expected that as soon as they got their certificate in you know hypnosis or NLP or, or coaching or whatever that you know just a flood of business, you know, to open up the door, put yeah. the shingle up and bada boom, bada bing. We got, we got big customers walking in the door. And that is rarely the case. I mean, probably never the case. Um, so how do you get those people in the door? How do you make a living mm-hmm. doing good I think, work? I think it's sort of, you know, um, for a lot of people starting off, we're all on the precipice of being recognized or being validated. But I think it's that first person that says your time is valuable, your, your support is valuable, and you're compensated for it. And it opens up that sort of window into themselves that this is really what it feels like. The conceptions that you have of, I've gotten the certification, I've done all the things I'm supposed to do, where are the customers? I'm ready to go. I think it's sort of like when it's that first moment of, of one, I think always saying yes always being in a position of being available and willing to take the opportunity to kind of get involved. 
you legitimize yourself because we're waiting for these sort of could you go into that waiting when you said when you said you always always say yes do what you mean you take on any any client who asks you to i think i think that you're you're willing to you don't take on any client but you're willing to consider things that didn't fit within your framework of what you thought you'd be doing when you completed your certifications and you completed your education because it could take you any number of different directions. So you're willing to say yes to something that, oh, I feel some trepidation. I'm not sure about this. That's the right one. It's not that like, I'm, uh, I'm like, no, there's a threat here or this person is, is, could be harmful to me. But that sort of sense of, oh, I don't know. That's right. That's the good place to be. And, and I think that it's, it's just sort of really just, just talking to people communicating, interacting as much as possible because you realize in doing that and being present, you had value. And then so when we get that first initial contact, it's, oh my God, they're, they're paying me for this. <laughs> I, I thought I was just doing this because, you know, <laughs> and that's when you, I think you cross the precipice from the ideas of what this is supposed to be like to the actually what it's like. And you build from there. That's your, that's your kernel. That's the sort of feeling that you want to stay with. And pay close attention to that feeling. You know, it's, 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 you know, you have that ask. My time is valuable. Use Do you think that a person service. can get that, um, that feeling of, of I'm, I'm valuable, that feeling of I, I'm worth, worthy? Um, can you, can you do a hypnosis process and, you know, take on that yeah. skill, on that feeling so that you don't have to wait, um, for it to happen by itself when somebody says, Hey, you're good at this. But can you make it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I, yes, 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 yes. Because that's, that's, that's the whole thing is that we're sort of developing these resources within us. Um, we taking it from the sort of inexperience to manifesting it out in the world. Um, I, I had this colleague who I, I worked with, I, so I, along with the other things I've done, I worked in uh, psychiatric research for a bit. And um, uh, there's a, a friend of mine there who, uh, you know, I met her in in the department we're in some basement of a psychiatric hospital loads of fun and um no windows and she'd been in 10 years and she's brilliant she's just a brilliant brilliant person but because her sense of well this is as far as i go this is what i do she's an md wasn't licensed from europe and and she just didn't want to do it anymore she you know she got paid very little for what she was doing and I would talk to her and I would sort of pay attention. And again, I realize what I'm doing is I'm engaging her in sort of a hypnotic induction, I'm sort of reviewing where you're at, what you're doing. And what is it you want to do? And she goes, well, I really want to teach. Okay. You have, you're published, you, you have, you're an MD, you have all this experience. Why don't you just get in touch with the school? Forming, you know, express what you've done. Tell them that you'd like to teach. Why don't you just do that? Why don't we just sort of see where that takes you? Because the opportunity is not going to find you. You have to go find it. You have to let you let them know that you're there. Okay, good. Doing. So she went and she said, okay. We kind of pushed her a bit, setting goals, timelines, and all that. Have you sent your emails yet? Have you reached out? And and within, I think, two or three weeks, she contacted a bunch of different area schools in New York City. She got offered uh, two three positions. She was teaching at different colleges. And now right. she's a professor at Hofstra Medical School. Huh. This all happened within... I don't know, year and a half. So cool. it's, it's sort of like, you know, I think kind of just allowing ourselves to kind of 
kind of get in there. It's like sending yourself out. Why not approach someone, say, this is what I do. Would you like to connect? Cool. That's great. So, so you were able to take this woman who had, um, uh, uh, lots of, of credentials in, in Europe, but wasn't licensed here. Mm-hmm. And you were to say, okay, so what do you want? And, um, by asking that question, like, you know, getting in touch and, you know, dropping down into that coach state to mm-hmm. not think what I should, should do, but, you know, what do you want? Mm. Deep inside kind of thing. So I'd, I'd like to teach, which she hadn't done before. No, never. Never been a teacher. No, 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 no. It was, it was, I'm at a point in my life. I really just don't want to go and go through my exams and get licensed. I, I just don't want it. She could. Without right. a doubt, she could. There was no, it was, it was just not something that she really wanted. So, right. so is, after that, then your coaching started becoming a little bit more proactive about, well, let's set a plan. Let's have you call people. Did you call them yet? You check up on her. There's accountability. There was some of that, you know, traditional. Uh, absolutely. Coaching. Yeah, I had to, absolutely. It's, 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 you need it. Yeah. <laughs> so both. It's, not whole, it's not the whole shebang. Right. Right. Good. Yeah. So it's great. So you, you, you know, if we were to surmise from that, that what some of our listeners might want to do, it's like, you know, decide what you want. And if coaching is it, Make sure you feel that sense of self-worth. Do a hypnosis process or, you know, go to your own coach or whatever to make sure that you really feel like, yes, I am worthy of this. I am capable of this. I can do this. And then do it. Put yourself out there, whatever that takes. You know, create the website, create the um, email campaign or, you know, talk. Yeah, or, or, or something as simple as just sort of sending people a note, you know, like who's the type of person that I'd want to work with as a coach, right? So what industry, what field, what kind of person? Look them up, research them. And, and, and maybe they're not the one that will want to take you on, but they might give you a sense of where you want to go. So give me, give me an example of that. How would you do that? So, so I, you know, I'm thinking about, um, If I'm, if I'm, uh, my background is in therapy and, and maybe I want to kind of go off into a more of a entrepreneurial sort of way. So maybe I want to look up something with something that's an emerging market, you know, digital therapeutics, right? So we're all online these days. None of us are able to interact as much as we'd like to in person because of the virus. So there are companies out there that, that realize there's an opportunity here. And, and the opportunity is to kind of work in this virtual format and how can we really enhance it? So maybe I want to go identify a company and then maybe I want to look for their officers and maybe I want to kind of research them through LinkedIn or word of mouth and send a note. I've been following what you do and I think I could really facilitate and enhance your growth. I can perhaps have you perform at a higher level. You know, I'd love the company that you're part of and, and where can this go? So we're going to go find our clients. It's not going to come to us. Hmm. We're, we're, we're going to go, we're going to go and do some work here. And maybe the person is kind enough to get back to us and say, I hear what you're doing. I like what you're doing, but I, I don't need that. But maybe we can have a discussion about it. And maybe now I've just entered a pool of other people that are an open pool of clients. Mm-hmm. It's an open pool of people looking for support, looking for resources. But we have to cross that boundary. We have to be willing to say, you know, I really appreciate your time. And thank you for, you know, because it goes both ways, right? Yeah. 
it goes both ways. I'm getting as much out of my clients as I hope that I'm giving them. It's an exchange. So I think that's that's something to kind of go to. I mean, that's why I used the example of the colleague I had there. Mm-hmm. Because I got a tremendous amount of that. Look what I did. Right. Ten years, stuck in position. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, so there it is. I would think that um, it would also be the kind of thing where you need to build up a lot of uh, grit and um, yeah. perseverance, right? Is that part uh, of the relationship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's something that, that we also can, can practice. I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this earlier today, um, and, and not just as an example, not, not for the politics of it, but I was reading an article and it was about Hillary Clinton and that she will create and have conversations with historical characters that she feels of value to her, one of them being Eleanor Roosevelt. And she'll engage in a whole discussion with Eleanor Roosevelt. As she understands her, she studied her, she's a, you know, this is a, to be a student of her and, and has, has a sort of this sort of mentor that she has pulled from her knowledge. And, and Eleanor's advice to her is grow a thicker skin. Yeah, that's right. right. Because if you, I think if you know anything of certain historical characters and see what qualities, what attributes they were in possession of, it wasn't something that they were born that way. That mm. came through God knows what kind of challenges, what kind of adversity. I think about the time in which they lived. What, what was their day like? What did they encounter on their way to the cafeteria? I don't know, but I can imagine. <laughs> what, and, on the way to the cafeteria. Great, great question. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny. I was thinking about Eleanor Roosevelt earlier with something was that you said about um, when you were finding what kind of person do I want to work with, and it's uh, you know when you say yes to everything and like, well, is this a little scary? Then yes, because if I recall correctly, again, I always put that out there before I quote somebody, but because I might not be remembering, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure Eleanor Roosevelt said something like. Um, do something scary every day. Okay. Um, you know, great way to develop a thick skin. Exactly right. You just right. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and go ahead. yeah, I mean, I can even we, we could go back into this now. Say with meditation, a lot of people think meditation. I want to be at peace and at one with myself. Mm. I'm going to have a wonderful experience doing this. I've seen a lot of people flip out sitting there. <laughs> you know, it's it's because they are encountering all these sort of inner feelings and forces and energies, they got teeth, some of them. Hmm. And, and just by sitting still, here they come. Oh boy. Let's just push that back down. I don't want to deal with you. (laughs) And, and I think that in a sense is doing something scary, just being still because you realize how much of our time is consumed with distraction. Sure. Right. I mean, and so, so yes, if I go ahead and approach someone that I want as a client, who would be my ideal client to coach? I'd identify them. Scary place. Oh no, I'm about to go in the lion's den. Hmm. I'd like to be like them, but what is it like to be with them? Yeah. And you'd be surprised at what you get back from people, right? I mean, in this space, I'm in a therapist's office here. It's an open space and people can let their guard down. You know, we shoot yeah. the sword, put the shield down. I'm just so brokenhearted. Okay. Out in the world, I'm a general. Here, 
I'm at I'm connecting to the part of me that's just so terribly wounded, mm. and sometimes I've even forgotten that I've been wounded, right? Because I've been taking care of business. Right. So, so I guess what I'm saying there is, you know, these people that we hold in such high esteem, and God, you know, it wouldn't be great to be I'm the person supporting them. They're human. They were babies once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do I want to connect to? With Nobody them? gets out alive. You know, it's also, <laughs> um, when you were talking before about uh, um, Hillary Clinton and Eleanor Roosevelt, the idea mm. of finding the person that you want to work with is also mm. a very good exercise to do, even if you're not going to contact a specific person. Like, for instance, you can, um, in advertising, it's sometimes really good to create an avatar, to create a person, mm. you know, made up person that you would want to work with who is your ideal client and then when yeah. you write your advertising you're not just writing hey everyone i'm a coach you know you're writing your advertising to that yeah. person to that yes. avatar yeah. and yeah. it's interesting that in a way it's it's like when you niche market when you you know say i am a hypnotist for nail biters or whatever um, and you become the nail biting guy it's amazing how often People will call you up and say, "Hey, I know you're the nail biting guy, but do you, do you do smoking also?" Or you know, they'll they'll get you, they'll ask you to do whatever it is that they want you to do because you've you stood out as the expert in at least one area. So it's the same thing with 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 I think avatars with this kind of thing where you you know you, you create a specific person that you talk to. So when you write your advertisement, it's like you're writing to you know to George. You know, writing you're writing to that guy you made up. And it sounds very specific to George, but it's amazing how many people will read that and go like, well, I can relate to that too. You know, your, 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 your yeah, message yeah, becomes, I, becomes clearer that way. Yeah, I think that's just it, right? I mean, that's the point where, where we really realize that like, as unique as I am, there's so many that I can relate to and, yeah. and that can relate to me. You know, and again, we're human. I have a pulse. If you, yeah. if you, Pinch me, I will feel pain. Pinch me really hard. You know, it's, it's, that's just the way it is. And that's that common thread. Um, yeah, so I, I like that with the, with the sort of I'm the nail biter expert. You know, it's, it's, we're talking about something that we engage in behavior. And if we can make a change there, then maybe you can help me change another behavior. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, and it's all, they're all, it's all, they're all related. They're all connected. Um, you get known as a person that can help create change. Yeah, you might start off as a nail biter, but you're a change agent. You're a person there that that can do things that I didn't think were possible. I mean, we can just expand on that and kind of go in different directions, but I think that's where it's at, right? It's it's sort of that's so wonderful to identify that one single point. You need a reference point. You know, it's helpful. Otherwise, yeah. we get kind of lost in these sort of, it's just too wide open. Yeah, Maybe we even start to do that in an arbitrary way as an exercise. You know, it's not that you're going to be the nail biting person for the rest of your life, meaning that's mm -hmm. the only type of work you Maybe you're happy doing that. It's an entry point. Yeah. You know, also when you were talking about Hillary and Eleanor, um, it also reminded me of a self coaching process that I, I learned from my, my friend Kevin Creed and my former partner, God rest his soul. Um, Kevin used to do this this process they called self coaching where you would basically sit in a chair by yourself and and say what am I doing really well what's going really well the way I want it to go and how can I make it better you know what else could I do to to make it better 
Then he would, he'd get up out of that chair and pretend that he left himself there, but move to a different position and look over at himself, you know, virtually sitting in that chair and say, what did he do really well? So now he's like in second position looking at this imagined self, himself sitting in that chair. What did he do really well? How can he make it even better? So same questions, but in second person. You know, so you're stepped out and you're looking at yourself from a, a dissociated position. But then he would step into a, yet a, another second position person. But this time it would be like Eleanor Roosevelt or Tony Robbins or, you know, Stephen Gilligan or yeah. somebody. Yeah. You know, he'd yeah. step in his, and he'd adopt the physiology. So he'd stand like Tony Robbins would be standing or, you know, stand like Eleanor Roosevelt would be standing or whatever, breathe the way he imagined Eleanor Roosevelt would be breathing. And, you know, he would step really as much as he could, like a, almost like a deep trance identification, you know, into this second, you know, mentor person. Yeah. And then ask the same questions. What is Kevin doing really well? How yeah. can we make it even better? Um, so I've, I've adopted that. I, I do that with myself. I wouldn't, I used to do it weekly. I don't think I do it weekly anymore. Maybe uh, for a couple of weeks or so, I'll, I'll do that. But I also do it whenever I feel like I need it. Um, so there's no real cycle when I do it. But it's always useful to have that kind of feedback. And it's weird and it's amazing what different insights you get when you step into the imaginary skin of another person and have, you know, look at you through their eyes. It's, it's weird. Like what's Doug doing really well? Well, you know, he's doing this good, but mm, he could be doing better. There. <laughs> you know, he could be doing better there. So, okay, good. So let's, let's set a plan. Let's do this and work it out. It's good. Grow a thicker skin. Got it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and that's just it, right? I mean, I, and that's the other thing, too. It's the other aspect here is that we're all continually engaged in growth. You know, it, it doesn't stop. You know, I think, again, you know, the idea when we start using goals and timelines, we think there's an end point. Well, yeah, there might be some points of, you know, termination or, or whatever else, but that, that end leads to another starting point. You know, it's ongoing. I think until we take our last breath, we're still growing. We're still changing. We're still evolving. And I think as, as a coach or a therapist, we're always working with, um, Jeff and I will talk about, you know, our growing edge. Um, what's your growing edge? What is it the thing that you're next working on? And I think that's, I think that's what, that's what makes people who are such high performers truly a high performer is that they're constantly working on something. I think I was reading about something, it was uh, LeBron James, and that, you know, he's still, he never, he's not just resting upon his sort of where he's arrived. He's still working on his jump shot. He's still working on this t technique or that technique. And, and and the small details, because it matters. And I think when you're at that level, we're still engaged in that sort of, you know, okay, so where, what's what's my growing edge? Where am I going next? It's an ongoing process. So I think, you know, using something that like a deep trans identification is, is just beautiful. Right. It, it creates so many opportunities there for what's my growing edge now? And using those people as a reference point. Uh, I mean, why not? Right. Remember, you're speaking of LeBron James still working on his jump shot, which is pretty amazing to think about. Um, I remember a, a quote from Pablo Casals, the great uh, cellist who has, you know, lived to his, uh, 
into his 90s, certainly. But when he was around 90, you know, he was, you know, practicing hours a day. And people say, well, you know, maestro, why why do you still practice so much every day? He says, well, because I think I am making progress. Yeah. I'm starting, you know, starting to learn to play this instrument. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or I, another, another musical reference was uh, Rachmaninoff, when he learned that he was... I think it was, it was a cancer that he was diagnosed with and he's dying. And, and the story is he looked at his hands and he goes, well, you know, what would become of my beautiful hands? You know, meaning that he's still, these are his tools for, mm-hmm. for producing the music that he does. Mm-hmm. I thought that was such a touching, uh, story just that, that, you know, he, you know, that was his connection to this world, to his music, to his creativity. He understood he was dying, but, oh, what I can do. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just so beautiful. That's uh, beautiful. Yeah, and indeed, indeed. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, yeah, it's really nice to connect with you because I, I had a sense that um, when I when we met at the workshop with Stephen Gilligan, that there was um, a lot going on here. You know, that you have all these all these mainstream kind of credentials. But you don't seem like a mainstream credential kind of guy, you know. <laughs> might have been the ACDC T-shirt that you're wearing. <laughs> a couple holes in it, yeah. Yeah. yeah I thank you. That, that 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 that's 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 so kind. That that thank you. That's um. I I I feel the same. It was I really even working with you. It was it was such a it was such a great back and forth. You know, we work in these pods and, and we would just sort of just just kind of let go and kind of get into it. And uh, man, that to me, like, what, what, a, what a great time, you know? Like, why, why wouldn't you want to do this? You know? It's, it's like, this doesn't work. This is, yeah. this is what it's about. That's, you know? it's, that's it's, coaching right there. Why wouldn't you want to do this? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Cool. Yeah. Great. Well, listen, thank you. Thank you very much. This has uh, been a lovely, lovely discussion, and, and, and I appreciate your time. And uh, how do people find you if they want to? Oh, geez. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> well I guess they, could, they could give me a – they could call me or email me. Um, do you have a, a website? Do you have that sort of thing? Yeah, I'm affiliated with um, a private practice, so they can look up uh, goodingwellness.com. You can find me and contact me that way. Gooding? Uh, like that might – Gooding, yeah, G-O-O-D-I-N-G, okay. W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S.com. And by all means, and that's probably the best way to get me. Uh, and I'm happy just to, to connect and talk to folks, just with any questions or, or perhaps to work together. Cool. Yeah, and I thank you for that. that that's wonderful. And um, your your little name, by the way, if we ever uh, see this in, in YouTube or whatever, that uh, little name by your window there says Veda. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, Mean that? It's not. Yeah, not yeah. Um, Veda, are you? No, no, no. Veda is my daughter. Oh, and, okay. And and geez, you know that's the damnest thing. I um, uh, she will take her dance class on through Zoom, and I guess I just hadn't updated. But uh, Veda is eleven, and and <laughs> she is just exquisite. And uh, as I said to people, people are like, Veda? I said, yeah, Veda. <laughs> um, she wears the name well. 
really does. Oh. Uh, Veda just uh, is an Indian mm-hmm. god? Uh, Veda, yeah. Uh, eternal wisdom. Right. And uh, like the Vedas, the... the right, Indian, right, right. Right? So, and, yeah. And that name sort of... It's, it's actually a bit funny. I'll just very quickly... It's uh, my great-grandmother, who's Italian, was Veda. It's spelled V-E-D-A. Oh. And I, I incorporated it in kind of Veda. And that's what, that's what I felt within my heart, you know, and I knew that she was coming along. So there you go. There you go. Very nice. Good. Thanks. thanks. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <It's not that>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. All right. Thank you, Doug. Been a pleasure and I had a great time. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want any more information about today's show, please visit our website at www.essentialcoachingskills.com. Be sure to tune in again next week for our next episode and discover even more about the systems and the secrets that set the best apart.